Hey, Jordan, what's up? How's it going? Hello, Rob. How are you feeling? We're uh, we're at the end of the road. Everything we've kind of um, been working towards. You fired know? up. It's pretty exciting. Fired up and ready to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, it's just been a it's been a rough four years dealing with the uh, the orange man. Mm-hmm. Orange man bad. The Cheeto in chief. I did appreciate yeah. that he called into the show last week. It was, I mean, mm-hmm. that was very I, nice. I have my differences with Donald Trump, obviously, but I do respect the office. And it was, I did appreciate that to. he took the time to call in last week, but you have to, nevertheless, yeah. it's been a, it's been really a quite a wild ride over the last four years. And I'm just, I am really looking forward to this election. Get, get Joe Biden in there, restore normalcy. Everything's going to go back to normal. I think that's the main thing that I'm looking forward to. We can kind of, everyone can calm down a little bit, can kind of go back to brunch. So I'm just really looking for, I'm going to be really relieved when we, when we get past this, uh, this election. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the end is near hopefully for, for yeah, small hands drumpf as I like to call them. Yeah. I think that really gets under his skin. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you can really gauge the effectiveness uh, of something as we've seen with like the Lincoln project. Never gets old that stuff. Yeah, you really know you're making an impact if you if you get under his skin, which is famously hard to do. So I think I think yeah. using terms like that it, it has been really helpful over the past couple of years. It's cathartic. Yeah, it is. Anyway, I guess the kind of disappointing thing from this last week is that you know as much as as much as I was hoping that that we could really like burn shit down to the ground if they if the Re- Republican Party tried to replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, obviously, uh, obviously they did do just that, uh, just eight days before the election. Which you know that's I find that quite hypocritical compared to the, the what happened in 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. Very norm breaking. So that's a little bit disappointing. And I guess that's the. That's the thing I'm kind of grappling with right now is how we're going to advise the the Biden administration if that is indeed what what happens uh, following following the election. How are we going to advise them to deal with this issue? Because I I obviously feel un- pretty uncomfortable violating some of these norms. I don't want to get too, I don't want to be too outrageous with the way that we kind of approach this. So that's the kind of even though it's a, you know I'm looking forward to the election, I'm still that's the kind of murky area that I'm not so sure about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be caught. We have to be cautious. We don't want to uh, disrupt anything. We don't want to no. you know, flip any tables. You know, on the Supreme Court, I saw an article recently where Jerry Nadler proposed now that we are down six to three in the Supreme Court, he proposed adding two justices to make it a make six, it six to five. five. Yeah. yeah. So we, we only have a one person minority. So I think that that's the kind of bold, innovative thinking that I think really gets people fired up. Yeah, it's like you're taking the kind of drastic step, which I think, you know, Democratic voters are expecting us to do. You're taking that drastic step, but you're not being too mean about it. You know, it's like we're still, it's not like we're going to seize power or like actually use that to change anything. It's just making no, it a no, little no, bit no. more Nothing balanced. should be changed. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And in fact, uh, that's kind of the one of the things that I wanted to suggest, because if, if Biden does go down that road, you were going to have to think about who's going to be uh, appointed to the Supreme Court, right? And like, so two names that that popped up for me when I was thinking about this. This is a kind of situation where even though conservatives and the Republican Party, they're going to be angry. They're not going to be very happy about expanding the court. But that's why you kind of try to find this compromise solution. So you expand the Supreme Court, as you said, two new justices to make it 6-5. And those two new justices are uh, George W. Bush and John Bolton. 
who are both against, they're kind of against Trump, right? And I think that'll kind of help restore balance and put the Supreme Court of the United States in a, in a position where, you know, it's not quite so unfair. But at the same time, we're not, we're not making Republicans and conservatives too mad about it at the same time. So it's kind of, I think that's the kind of bold move into the future that I think we should sort of advise the Biden campaign to take. So we don't, we're, we're taking steps, but you know, we're not, we're not going too far. We're not going too crazy with this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, what if we had, um, you know, like a Supreme Court Justice Hillary Clinton, a Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland, Supreme Court Justice Barack Obama. Uh, yeah. You know, these are all names that I think are really exciting that gets people fired up. Um, but yeah, just I think I think that's the kind of stuff that we need to be tweeting in all caps repeatedly, maybe with some clapping emojis. Uh, I'll call up Rick if you want. I think we've got some extra some extra yep. cat like petty cash that we could just, just get over to them ASAP. To yeah, that, I think we need to continue going. funding that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because it's not like once 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 Trump is is out of there, once the orange man is gone, we're still going to need to galvanize Republican and support and, and and make sure we lock up that kind of moderate conservative. So we need to continue, definitely continue funneling as much pos- money as possible to our, our friends and colleagues at the at the Lincoln Project. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so I'll, I'll looking forward to the election, and I'm uh, I'm actually booking us brunch for the next day. I got I got bottomless mimosas going on. For the next day so awesome can't wait hello hello and welcome it's the insurgents episode 45 rob rousseau here along with my colleague jordan yule jordan what, how's it going? How are you doing? Hello. Oh boy. We really have, we were joking about it a minute ago, but we really oh, have come to, come to the end of the road here or like the, the you know, possibly some kind of a crossroad type situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of surreal, isn't it? It's, it's kind of surreal that we're finally at this moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we get into this a little bit later, not in depth though, but like I, I I've been thinking a lot about where I was election night 2016. And I think about how it impacted um, people who, you know, I, sorry to be redundant, would be impacted more than me in um, uh, it, when Trump won. So uh, the night of, we, ha- I, we had a party at my, my house, my girlfriend and I at the time. Um, and uh, our friend who was <laughs> seeking immigration or seeking citizenship in the united states just as the night progressed started to curl up more and more by the end of the night was basically like in a fetal position in the corner of the couch and you know everyone just a general sense of unease slipped over the room like it started as a party we're playing bingo you know all this kind of shit dumb shit like normie lib shit sure um and uh yeah, it got dark by the end of the night. Like a buddy left, stormed out. Like he pretty early saw where the winds were going. He's like, Trump's going to win. And we were all still in denial. And he's just like, he like kind of left. Uh, and then the next day at work, I, I remember like women that I worked with were crying. Um, and, you know, people were really, really just depressed for the next few days. Uh, I mean, I ended up switching careers to get more uh, involved and, and fight back against all this shit. So it just, it's it's very weird that four years ago things were in such a different place and now it hopefully um 
this might come to an end. Yeah. Although, as we talked about uh, with our guests, um, Samantha Grasso and uh, Jack Perkinson from Discourse Blog this week, uh, and this is something we a subject we've talked about plenty on the show over the last couple of weeks and months, which is that even if uh, even if Joe Biden does manage to win this election on Tuesday, it opens up all these new problems and it kind of creates this whole new situation that uh, people are going to have to figure out how to navigate. And uh, I, I think the idea of like pushing Joe Biden left has always been a bit, uh, I don't think there's really much to that. You know, I think Joe Biden is kind of who he is. Um, but, you know, there's a concern that... Uh, uh, a lot of people who have become very engaged in in making in holding the Trump administration accountable for the things that they've done over the last four years are kind of going to sort of forget about things and kind of move along with their lives. And and as we as we go over in this conversation with uh, with uh, Sam and Jack, um, you know that that creates kind of a, a possibly dangerous situation. And uh, that's going to be the kind of interesting thing about if that does go in that direction. Uh, following the next uh, the next couple of years and seeing how that plays out, really, also a thing I've been reflecting on is just this show. I mean, it's it's very interesting. Just we started the show, I think, like a little over eight months ago, at the at the day after the the Iowa caucus in the Democratic primary, and just how drastically things have changed. It's been quite an emotional roller coaster, frankly. This whole the whole core run of doing this show, it's been it's been pretty a pretty wild ride. Yeah, it has. I mean, I remember when we first started talking about doing it, and we were like ready to do like an Iowa predictions episode, and I was like, "Oh, let's like let's not do it because you know we don't want to start with like a wrong prediction and yeah, completely misread the room." And like that was like you know in retrospect so innocent to what we were dealt with <laughs> over the, the ensuing several yeah. months i um, did uh i did listen to I, a couple weeks ago i did listen back to our episode that we did after nevada and believe me we had oh, no such sorry. restrictions i was just gonna say man like yeah. that's like the one I, I i've been regretting like i don't want to listen to it because it oh, was like bad. that's the last it's time not, I it's felt painful happy. to listen to yeah it's yeah, really painful I, to listen to i'm not i can't do it i just imagine it's like I mean, some like downward spiral, just sitting in like a dark room, listening to that episode on repeat, just yeah, like just yeah. saying like, oh, never mind. I don't. Oh, I felt yeah. really good that I, I I ended up talking to. So I met Naomi Klein when I was out there knocking doors at a Get Out the Vote rally, and we DM'd the other night, and it was just like think talking about that like much, much happier times. Yes. Um, I can't. I wish I could go back. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it's been uh, it's been interesting and uh, quite a roller coaster covering all this all this stuff with you and uh, with our listeners following along. I've been really happy with it, and uh, yeah, I feel I feel a weird sense of serenity heading into this election. I've spent I've spent a, a <laughs> I've devoted a large portion of my life over the last two years or so to like talking about this and thinking about it, and uh, it's it's kind of surreal that we're at this moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, God, I, I would, I'm excited for this to be over, like this yeah. election to be over. Uh, you know, I not that it ends Tuesday night, because then there's a very good chance of uh, results being contested. Yeah. Um, you know, challenge. <laughs> the the different, the range of different directions that this could go is really kind of like astonishing <laughs> to try and wrap your mind around. Yeah. I mean, top lines are like, if... Trump wins. You've got. You just got to fucking fight harder than ever. Um, can't get demoralized. And if 
Biden wins, you have to, that's when the work begins. I mean, it's less depressing because, you know, it's just like you just have to kind of like try to guide them in the right direction. And part of that's going to be a lot of like negotiations and stuff. But like it, it's the work is just beginning. People cannot check out. And I think that there's a there's a palpable fear of people just wanting to go back to not caring. Um which sucks because then the problems will persist. Problems yeah. that existed before Trump will persist. And those are ones that we should really be addressing. Yeah. Um, in any case, uh, I know it's our big pre-election spectacular, but, you know, it's Halloween. I got I to gotta get rolling soon to do, do family Halloween stuff. Oh. But uh, we did have a great conversation with uh, Jack Mirkinson and, and Samantha Grasso from Discourse Blog. They're going to be live streaming the election on Twitch. We talked about all this stuff and we talked about the whole, uh, you know, the election, what it means and and all the stakes. A very great conversation. I am actually going to be streaming the election as well on Twitch because I've made my triumphant return to Twitch over oh, the last so you're week. you're going to be a competitor, but, huh? Yeah, well, you can flip back and forth. There's no reason mm. why I think we need to, <laughs> to do that. But mm. yeah, so... Um, that's it. We're we're gonna get back to uh, doing the show. I like, I was laughing because in the last episode we were like, yeah, we're gonna crank out two episodes a week from this point on, and it's just been so crazy over the last like week and a half. Yeah. You've been very busy. I've been dealing with a lot of stuff myself, uh, but we're gonna get back rolling uh, following the election. We've got some great stuff planned with this show. And actually, one thing I didn't bring this up with you, but one thing I thought would be kind of fun is to encourage people to send us some voicemails after the election, or perhaps the night of. Uh, if oh, you're God. if you're feeling some emotions, uh, <laughs> sure. please please call into our our voicemail number and leave us some voicemails. So on our on our uh, election wrap up episode, which we're planning now, we can play some voicemails. Um, so the voicemail number will be in the like the Substack email the and in the show description yeah. and everything. Do you want to repeat the number now? Do you have that? No, I don't have it now. It's you in can the show find notes. the number. Okay, yeah, it's in the show notes. It's in the description <laughs> of the the show. But yeah, sorry, we missed a private or premium episode this week. That's mostly my fault. I I've just been working till like ten or eleven every single day. Yeah, no, um, it's, I it's, think people understand that it's a lot yeah, of craziness going on at the moment. Please spare us. This is the most like bu- busy week of four <laughs> four years uh, yeah. for me. Probably actually, I think finishing my my finishing grad school was probably busier, but. You understand. Please yes. be lenient on us listeners. Yeah. And if it's if you have a problem, I would suggest getting in, to- in contact with Ken Klippenstein yes. to let him know. Direct all complaints to Ken. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of part of his role now that we've kind of been negotiating based on his his you know relationship with the show. So if you have an issue with that, um, take it up with Ken Klippenstein. Please leave us a voicemail on election night or afterwards. Let us know how you feel about everything, and we'll play some of those voicemails when we come back to return to our regularly scheduled programming. And uh, until then, we'll see you on the we'll see you on the flip side. And until then, oh. uh, here is Samantha and Jack from Discourse Blog. They'll be joining the show right after this. Okay, so now we are joined by Sam Grasso and Jack Merkinson of Discourse Blog. And Discourse Blog is, you know, a friend of ours. They are also in the Discontents Network. We've had Jack Crosby and Kath Krieger on the show before to talk about their various things that they're doing. Uh, but now we're going into an election. We're all kind of bracing ourselves for what comes on Tuesday. 
and, and Discourse Blog is poised to to console you that evening with a with a live stream of presidential election results coverage. Uh, Jack and Sam, you've done various streams before. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you on the show. Um, what do you what do you th- what are you thinking about going into this election on Tuesday? <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you for having us. Of yes, course, thank you so much. Yeah, Sam, we're yeah. diving right into the... <laughs> yeah, S- S- Sam, you can you can take that one first. Sure. We're um, diving right yeah. into the shit here with this. I, yeah. I know Jack probably has like a list of, 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 uh, of thoughts. Um, I don't know. I So I live in Texas. I live in Austin. And obviously, um, you know, one of the very interesting things to me is like whether we'll actually have the kind of turnout that turns into, you know, whatever you want to call it, a purple Texas, flipping Texas. Um you know, and I, I've heard this, you know, year after year is like, we have the, uh, we have the communities for it, we have the population for it, but we just don't have the turnout. Um, and so I know for the last four years, a lot of like grassroots Texas uh, groups and, and um, also, you know, campaigns have been working on, uh, you know, turning out the vote, getting people registered. Um, and so I'm just interested to see like what actually happens. I live in one of more of like the uh, redder suburbs of Austin. And so, you know, from my point of view, everything looks like it's on fire. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, hmm. I don't know if hopeful is the word, but I'm like, I'm just interested. I'm interested to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, live in New York. So like the, you know, it's like on the one hand, the stakes are incredibly high, but where I am, the stakes are like absolutely minuscule you know, compared to what Sam is dealing with. So I'm not experiencing the election in exactly the same way that she is. But I also am very interested in what happens. I, really, I've been sort of reflecting on uh, just like the emotional insanity of what we're all about to go through. You know, it's like yeah. we've, we've been gearing up for... Uh, this thing that is now what seventy two hours away, uh, something like that. Wow. You know, three or four no. days away, and like there is so much writing on it. There's like, uh, you know, and <laughs> it's like okay, so uh, like on Wednesday or Thursday, either, um, you know, I'll be uh, extremely happy about what has happened, or I'll be you know, as depressed as I've ever been about anything in my life. Or there'll be (laughs) like a weird third thing where like we're all gearing up for, I don't know, like the biggest political crisis we've had since the Civil War. Um, (laughs) And like, that's just like gonna happen maybe next week. Um, You know, so it's a lot to wrap your mind around. And it's uh, it's hard to accept uh, the degree to which we can't even fathom what it's going to feel like in just a few days, whatever happens, you know, so I'm trying to sort of steal myself as much as possible for that. Uh, you know, I must say, uh, like working on discourse blog and prepping um, this stream uh, which I have to say, by the way, Jordan, thank you so much for helping us do that. Jordan has yes. been like our stream master course, for yes. all of our Jordan streams since like producer extraordinary, been incredible. <laughs> um, you know, like just truly a mensch. Um, and, uh, you know, so like doing that, preparing for like this crazy election, I think we're going to try to do where we're going to just like be on air for hours and hours into the night and see what happens <laughs> is, is very helpful for saving 
staving off um, some of like the creeping darkness that can set in if you just sit and consider what might happen, uh, uh, you know, next week. So really, that's what I'm trying to keep my focus on is like, we all have work to do. So like, we can concentrate on doing the work and take whatever happens as it comes. Yeah, I, I, th- <laughs> I think about where I was on uh, election night in 2016. And how just kind of over the night, it was like, okay, just making excuses like, you know, hey, well, as long as she wins uh, North Carolina, or as long as she wins. Listen, Clinton doesn't even need Florida. Like, of course, Florida yeah. voted Republican. Like, right. it's, not, it's not a big deal. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's it's great once you're. It's great once you're like, all right. So maybe if she takes Idaho, Montana, <laughs> and Kentucky, and then uh, you know gets half of Texas, to the, can they even do that? Yeah, no. I, I mean, remember. I remember. I was starting to get that sinking feeling and i was still kind of trying to tell myself that what was really happening wasn't happening and the moment mm-hmm. that i realized it had, what was going on really was when uh it was the russ feingold senate race oh god uh in wisconsin when that was called and and russ feingold didn't get reelected to the senate that you realized like what the trend was and it's like oh they're they're fucked yeah yeah <laughs> i i mean i was um very depressing yeah i was i was uh uh, helping to run election coverage at mm. Fusion Discourse Blogs, like very far, far ago predecessor. Like we've been through seven, yeah, yeah seven, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, we've been through seventeen like corporate shakeups, you know, <laughs> I- identity changes, um, you know, mass layoffs, re- you know, uh, ind- uh, independent relaunches, blah 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 blah. But you can trace the line back there, and so you know, we, um, you know, we we were doing this whole thing and i had written i had been assigned to write the pre-write for donald trump wins the election and it had been assigned to me as an editor because we didn't think that we were going to need it yeah and so we were like okay a staff like a staff writer can write the hillary one and like do a good job on it and like but you know so but an editor who like doesn't need to have their byline out there can just like toss off you know some basically yeah, we'll never joke post, this, so. yeah. you know and like i just did this completely half-assed post it was like nothing and then at some point during the night i was like oh fuck i have to write the post now i have to actually yeah i have to actually write out um like the nightmare scenario and because and like uh try to figure out what we're gonna do you know mm. so like that was uh yeah that that was really fun um you know then then uh i took a cab home at two o'clock in the morning and the taxi driver said he was uh glad that trump had won because he didn't think that women should be in positions of leadership <laughs> okay. um, oh my god i was like well yeah. this has been a great night Wait, waited no time to jump <laughs> right yeah in. yeah, yeah oh, and, I, and, and like when he said that i looked up at where we were and we had literally 60 blocks to go until i was out of the house <laughs> um and so i was like I was like, this, uh, yeah, this is really doing it for me. Thanks. He now writes Thanks. for Quillette, that guy. <laughs> that's, that's the... Yeah, no, I've seen his byline around. It's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, oh I was in a God. similar situation. Well, actually, not quite. I was like, I had just been uh, let go. I don't know what the phrase is. I was told, oh, we don't have the money to pay you anymore at a publication. I was, you know, uh, kind of like interning for, um, 
And then uh, I was freelancing that night and I was actually freelancing for the Daily Dot, you know, doing like dumb internet blogs about like people are freaking out about the New York Times needle. Ha ha. You know, not realizing just like how fucked things are getting. Um, And I was actually in the office of the nation because my friend at the time who was also she was an intern over at the nation. And so we were just like hanging out in their little party room. Um, and as the night got grimmer and grimmer, uh, I just remember at one point, you know, I, you know, not to reveal anybody else's company secrets, but somebody walked into the room and said, like, we don't have a cover. We don't have a cover for Trump winning. And I'm just like, I don't know. I being, being that I was like only in New York for about like four months at the time, you know, very familiar with the South and like very familiar with like what Republicans think and like the excitement behind Trump, I guess. I even I was just kind of disillusioned and like not really thinking that it was going to happen. I think I was mostly just like, you know, high off like the media circus of like, oh, my God, we love Hillary so much. Um, And so I wasn't really expecting that. And I I think like, you know, my politics have definitely changed in the last four years to the point where like my expectations are paired (laughs) uh, significantly and like appropriately and, you know, even paired for like a Biden win, you know, so. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to freak out too much because like, you know, say things do go our way. Okay, cool. Now we're dealing with a situation where like, we have to figure out if like, you know, are the people who have been like indicting Trump for the last four years going to be doing the same thing? Like, are we actually going to be like having the same kind of conversations about like, and I, I say this phrase all the time, but it's like Joe Biden nicely deporting people or like, or like arresting people with a smile. Like, yeah. <sighs> doing a civil uh, drone warfare right uh, yeah no i'm so i was i was i remember very well as well uh 2016 and I, so i'm one of the, as many people are fond of reminding me i'm one of these obnoxious canadians that becomes invested in what happens uh in the american <laughs> government i was very invested in the whole primary because i think you know wherever you are uh if you're on the left uh if you consider yourself like in that sort of tradition then it was very exciting the, the prospect of someone you know, coming close to winning a major nomination mm-hmm. that kind of would have brought the American government in that direction. Because I don't know if you realize this, but what happens in the American government kind of has profound impacts like all over the world and in mm. Canada and elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly, but, slightly. Yeah, yeah. But still, I was just, I had become kind of resigned to, uh, you know, the the reality, what's the reality of President Clinton going to look like and how is that going to affect things? And the idea of this like reality show guy becoming president of the United States just seemed so unthinkable to me. It was so against sort of everything that if you've been following American politics, you've been told about about what the possibilities are and, you know, oh, he's broken so many norms that you can never like recover from from these kinds of things. <laughs> this and, is it. This is the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it was this, this kind of surreal moment that's this sinking feeling of seeing this kind of come to fruition. And it's been, it's been very odd. I find recently reflecting on the fact that four years have gone by, it's had this weird kind of time distorting effect, constantly being immersed in this absolutely insane news cycle every single day of all these different crises and, Mm. and news stories that pretty much any other year would have been the biggest story of the year, just kind of coming and going week in week out every single day. So yeah. In a way, it feels like this this moment of 2016 was a decade ago, and it also feels like it just happened, you know, recently. It's well, very strange. It's and, a very strange feeling. And, and that does that does make you understand like why ultimately, like Joe Biden, uh, you know, had such an easy path to the nomination because you know, even though like uh, 
the I just want to go back to brunch like feeling out there is on so many levels like inherently objectionable um at the same time like we all feel it everyone is so exhausted from dealing with this all the time you know and so the seductive narrative that Mm -hmm. biden is pushing you know uh in terms of like elect me and you won't have to worry about me anymore you won't have to think about what the president is tweeting you won't like i'll just go on in the background and like it'll be cool and like i'm not gonna embarrass you you know it's nonsense on so many levels but you get it you're like i don't want to feel this insane all of the time because of like something that you know, the president of the United States tweeted out, like, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, in the grip of this total craziness 24 seven. Of course, the flip side of that is that, you know, if Joe Biden does win, uh, you know, we risk this complete mass disengagement right. that will allow yeah. basically <laughs> nothing that needs to to change to really actually change mm-hmm. you know and it's like you know the biden uh, the whole biden thing is uh, you know it's like the what seems to be the smartest possible way to potentially win a campaign if that is what happens you know and the but setting up like the possibly most dangerous way to run a presidency um you know from from anything even nominally resembling left-wing politics which obviously he isn't a leftist in any way but even you know nominally not on the right of the spectrum like yeah, you know, we don't know what's going to go on. Yeah, I think that's part of the the sort of interesting thing, which is that I think you know, I obviously Trump's a, a danger to many marginalized communities in America. He's unstable. He's had a he's had a really kind of out of control foreign policy expanded on one of the, a lot of the worst things that the the Obama administration and the Bush administration previously were doing. Um, but yeah, I think. That's the kind of dangerous thing about this moment is that if Biden is able to win this, I mean, if your if your view is that the the non-Trump status quo in the United States was like an, an unacceptable situation for a lot of people, then there's a situation now where where that's just going to kind of perpetuate indefinitely. And if if Biden is not up to the task of resolving any of these systemic issues that led to Donald Trump being elected in the first place. Well, then nothing really is being it's only, the, the can is kind of just being kicked down the road uh, and and someone else is going to be able to capitalize on all this, all these systemic issues. And, and you're going to see an even worse Trump possibly sometime in the future. Uh, and that's the kind of scary thing about this moment in American history, I think. Uh, I love that it can always get so much worse than it is. <laughs> We're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to get too much into that because I, I think that just goes into a, a really dark road. Sure. Um, and want to focus on, on on the dark moments that lie ahead of us. So we saw a Bloomberg story <laughs> uh, yesterday that um, I think I talked to you folks about on our call about the stream. That it's it's not looking great right now in terms of um, voter turnout in states like Arizona and Florida, uh, particularly among. Latino voters and mm-hmm. black voters. And there was an alarming stat. I'm trying to find the article. 
Um, but it was around two thirds of Latino voters in Arizona haven't voted yet. And I think you can make you can, you know, I'm sure voter intimidation and voter suppression are absolutely factors in that. I do fear that the that Biden being part of Obama's administration during that tenure when they deported more people than any other president prior um, might have something to do with that. Uh, what, what, what do you folks think about that? Yeah, I mean, that could very well be the case. I, I really don't have so much insight into that. I I do wonder if it's like, well, and that's the thing, too, is that, like, I think we could probably make the same case for Texas, but we haven't seen that kind of, uh, or <laughs> I haven't seen that kind of report in Texas where, like, you know, Latina voters are sitting this one out. Um, you know, so I don't really know if that's, like, exactly the, the uh, reason why this is happening. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely doesn't feel good. <laughs> the, the the part of that um i'm trying to find uh the story too because the, the part of the quote that really um you know chilled me uh was um oh yes here it is democrats say biden's strength among <laughs> other groups namely seniors and suburbanites will compensate for any drop-off in latino support where have um, i heard that before i feel like yeah. i remember hearing yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah, in the previous you know election so, i can't quite recall <laughs> you know so i mean like sam said you know we don't know what's gonna happen and like you know maybe um like there'll just be a huge surge on election day there's like a million different factors in like why people might vote you know on election day and not early and it could turn out you know okay but if it doesn't like um <laughs> See, seeing that quote in print like such yeah. such such a complete uh, carbon copy of like the chuck schumer quote from 2016 one of like the most infamously wrong yeah. uh like uh, you know political judgments uh, in american history really you know <laughs> where he said that like for every yes. you know working class person that we lose we're gonna get two republicans in the suburbs um <laughs> you know like I hope it goes okay, but you know, uh, I really don't like it that that the same party that messed things up so badly just four years ago is still putting out those kinds of messages and is still sending the signal that for them, increasing uh, you know their base among wealthy suburbanites really you know which is clearly what has been one of their main strategies throughout the election, you know is more important to them than getting uh, communities of color um, out to the polls. You know, like once you're putting that out, it's just very, very, uh, you know, it may, it makes me feel a little itchy. Um, you know, it's like how, is well, especially how I put when it. a lot of kind of prominent liberals and people in the Democratic Party are very quick to point out how like we need to, we need to listen to women of color and people of color totally. and, and kind of, use them in that way for this kind of this kind of uh, progressive uh, veneer mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's part of the problem you spoke to that jordan is that the, going back to the primary i mean that's one of the reasons that bernie sanders was able to do really well with latino voters because mm -hmm. i think he was able to speak to a lot of the pain that's been inflicted on these communities 
by both parties and by of course yeah. like of course uh, Donald Trump has really ramped up the cruelty in the in the deportations but the Democratic Party also and Joe Biden in particular have their fingerprints all over like the millions and millions of deportations and and he, Joe Biden doesn't really have a ton of credibility when it comes to like resolving some of these kind of contradictions so I don't yeah. know if there's a direct one to one comparison as in that's why that's why these kind of troubling statistics are coming out now but that was always I think one of the dangers of nominating Biden is that you know he stood the there was a possibility that he was going to turn off a lot of these communities because of his the role that he's played in in things like mass deporta- deportation yeah i mean the what we don't see because of how these social media networks work is what trump target voters are seeing um my buddy was talking to somebody just some random kid that he was playing on like nba 2k 20 um and they were doing voice chat and my buddy's a reporter and asked him like oh who are you voting for and this is a younger younger black guy from like kentucky i think and he was like oh i'm voting for trump my buddy was like well why he's like oh i just see all these posts on facebook about like all these civil rights leaders who are backing trump and like when you have that kind of a just a complete wall of of propaganda being blasted at you constantly um it's very easy and i've seen it on youtube is where we can get a good glimpse into what they're doing Mm -hmm. yeah facebook's much more, more harder to see but on youtube wall to wall trump ads of moments of of biden saying you know pretty offensive stuff i've seen like complete front page takeovers of biden's history of racist comments and one comment that i think really stands out and is from this year is when someone asked biden about his record on immigration and deportation when he was with uh, obama and he told him go vote for trump sure did. yeah i mean they yeah. would be blowing a <laughs> yeah. wide open layup yeah. if they didn't take that clip and run it everywhere yeah. And in terms of like an op- an online operation too, the what Biden and the Democrats are doing is like infinitesimal compared to the operation that that the Trump campaign has put together on this on this yeah. front. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, Sam, you wrote a really good piece, you know, uh, the other day about Biden and immigration, you know, and how this is like yet again one of the things. Um, you know that liberals did not give a shit about totally. during the Obama administration. Decided they cared about during the Trump administration, and probably if Biden wins, are going to go back to not giving a shit about you know during a, a Biden administration. But yeah. if you are you know if you are among you know the communities affected by that, then you have a different feeling about it. You know than all these people who are just sort of you know blithely letting these things pass them by totally well and something you know bringing up like the the trump's online campaigning you know i i saw less and less of this as i got away from this kind of like internet beat reporting about like you know the various like bullshit that happens day to day um with the trump administration uh but from what i remember it seemed like every other you know, web page that I would go to or every other, um, and I'm talking about like, this is in 2017, because I think, you know, I think it was like, as soon as, uh, as soon as he was sworn in, they like re-registered for his campaign for 2020. And so he was able to collect funds for, you know, years and years and years to go toward his campaign. I don't know if that also means that he was able to, you know, necessarily release campaign ads, but all the ads I were seeing were like, Trump is doing this way in or like Trump, 
Trump uh, wants to make sure the Democrats can't do this, you know, answer our survey now or something like that. And I saw those for like months and months and months. And so I'm like, this hasn't just been like a propaganda campaign for like the last year and a half. Like this has just been going on for like five straight years. (laughs) And so, you know, I think it is difficult to like, I mean, it's difficult for me now to see that anymore because I'm not looking into those stories. I'm not specifically like trying to do the TikTok of like what that shit thing that Trump has done this day. And I, I think to an extent that it's like, you know, good, good. I don't even know want, want to word use the word good, but like it's, it's, it's somewhat advantageous for like, you know, our media diets to not be constantly focusing on Trump because that's also, you know, how we give him airtime and, how we promote his messaging. And, and so, you know, on one aspect there's that, but then the other, it's like, I just, I, we don't have that insight anymore. Um, yeah. And going back to what Jack was saying, uh, there was a, a reporter over at prison. Her name is uh, Tina Vasquez and she was an immigration, I mean, she's an immigration reporter now, but she was also an immigration reporter during the Obama administration. And I, when I tweeted out that story about like, is anyone going to care when it's Joe Biden who's doing the deportations? She quote tweeted that. And she was like, I'm just going to say this right now. No, they fucking won't. <laughs> like I was, I was a reporter during the, the Obama administration and no, they won't. Um, and, and so I think that's like really uh, <laughs> the fact that the people who like, you know, have been doing this for, for, you know, a decade maybe are, are well aware of this issue. Like, I think, I think that's a, you know, pretty, uh, probably pretty accurate in 2015 um so for 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 years i worked at a law school in dc that was like a kind of a social justice focused law school and one of the things that we did was we our students and and people who oversaw the immigration clinic would go to uh, the border and various family detention facilities and help women prepare for their credible fear interviews if they were seeking asylum. And we did this in tandem with uh, Races, that immigration group that is now very popular to fundraise for. And it's like, you know, it was for, for in the immediate aftermath of the Trump election, it was very woke to uh, just quote tweet stuff with donate to Races and stuff like that. Um, to give you some context of the pre-Trump period, how people felt about this, we had <laughs> another professor invite someone from Obama's, I think it was a USCIS or DHS, a, a, a deputy official, come speak about how Obama was really great on immigration. And the you know the the head of the clinic spoke out, like just commented on the pa- on the school's Facebook page, and there was like internal like strife over whether or not people should even be critical Christ. of them and it's like we work on this issue yeah. and you still don't want to criticize the guy. like <sighs> they wanted to separate the yeah. practice at the border like the, there's a, there was this incredible image of a, of a kid in a cage staring at a tv that was taken in like 2014 um it, it just it blows my mind that people just did not care yeah well, we've talked about on the show, too, about how kind of disgusting and gross it is for, for kind of prominent liberals or prominent people in the media to kind of just use, just to kind of default to kids in cages. And now if you don't, if you don't yeah. support the Democratic Party, then, totally. oh, you don't, you don't care about the kids in cages. Totally. <laughs> and it's really frustrating considering, yeah, that was, that was happening prior to Trump. And yeah, of course, Trump has, has absolutely ramped up the cruelty and the cruelty in the immigration system on the southern border right, and it's yeah. been disgusting and they're like you can make that differentiation but also at the same time you know 
Trump has instituted this really uh, horrific kind of family separation policy, which is obviously an escalation and it's really terrible. But, you know, deportation is family separation as well. And uh, Absolutely. Donald Trump hasn't even come close to matching as, as much misery as he's inflicted on a lot of these communities and a lot of these immigrants and refugees that have tried to been entering the United States. He hasn't even come close to matching Obama's deportation record. I, I mean, so it was always very disingenuous that they would just pivot to this as an attack line. And we, as you were saying, once it, if it is President Biden taking over the reins of this like very cruel immigration system he might he might undo some of the things that trump did but there's still a a very terrible system in place that he's going to be overseeing still at that point i mean you know they like i'm sure we all remember like during the height of the family separation crisis when like people were literally tweeting out pictures and being like this is what's happening under trump and they were pictures from the obama administration yeah (laughs) right you know like well, I, you know, like, I think that was specifically it's, it also happened. A, it was a CBP's bait and switch, I'm pretty sure. I think the way that they got those photos was through CBP because the people are news. If I can recall this correctly, I think news stations were not yet allowed into the specific detention facilities that, um, you know, that, uh, that the separations started happening in. And so they were like, yeah, let us show you what these facilities look like. <laughs> and, you know, everybody fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was yeah. like, you know, perfect encapsulation of like, you know, uh, I, I mean, it was easy for them to be like, look, they've been doing it too. So like, what's the big, bu- big deal. But it was also like, people aren't paying the fuck attention because, uh, it seemed so easily to point, it seems so easy to point fingers and be like, oh, this is specifically a Trump problem. Well, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it would have, it would have not been possible for them to do any kind of bait and switch if the Obama administration hadn't been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. If there, had, no, totally. if there hadn't been pictures to share, they wouldn't have been able to share them. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is all to say that, like, they think for people who are upset about this, like, remain upset, please. Like, we're begging you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, continue to care about this issue. Uh, if if Biden should win, because nothing will nothing will ever get better if it'll continue to fester in the background, and then it'll just get augmented by the next Republican president. Um, yeah, there's just yes. so many issues like that that we cannot check out on. Like, there's been like you know, it's uh, there's been great galvanizing forces behind certain issues, and it'd be like fantastic to to continue that. Uh, the work would just begin if Biden gets elected. Yeah. I think I think this is one reason it was really instructive if you're kind of of the age that that you were really like plugged into what was happening in the Obama administration because it you can really take a lot away from that like another thing and a kind of mirror example of this was like the foreign policy stuff and how at the end of the Bush administration the Iraq war was so unpopular and you know so there was that kind of anti-war sentiment was becoming more popular in in the media and in, in pop culture and then when Obama took over and although he's not launching these these big showy ground scale invasions, he's ramping up uh, drone strikes and warrantless assassinations in places like Yemen and Pakistan and Somalia and places where the United States isn't even at, technically at war. And you saw a, same, a lot of the same thing where a lot of liberals who were very quick to criticize George Bush over his foreign policy stances because it'd become so unpopular were just like went completely missing during this period. And if you, to even criticize Obama or to talk about the ways that he was perpetuating a really like a very brutally violent form of imperialism, even if it was slightly different than the Republican version, to even make this criticism, people were saying, oh, you're just helping the Republicans, you're just sure. helping the conservatives. And that's the, that's the kind of thing where it's like this can't this kind of cycle can't continue. And that's the worry about the possibility of a of a of a Biden administration is that a lot of these people who have been very who have been 
quick to hold Trump to account with his his immigration policies, his foreign policy, and all the various ways that he's he's made things a lot worse. Uh, can't they can't be like a go back to brunch situation? Otherwise, like all these same very cruel and and brutally violent uh, things are going to just continue to be perpetuated. Well, and, uh, you yeah. know, nothing's going to be resolved. And that's where all of the Lincoln Project stuff, all of the yes, um, you know, like the transformation <laughs> of these horrific like people you know the james clappers the michael haydens the john brennan's you know like all of these people you know who uh you know tort like carried out torture regimes carried out indiscriminate drone strikes carried out warrantless surveillance like you know did horrible things and were seen by a large portion of the population maybe not you know, the elite, but we're seen by a good many people to have done horrible things, um, you know, now have been transformed into these MSNBC darlings, you know, and yeah. get trotted out all of the time as moral arbiters, you know, in terms of tr- in terms of Trump and the adoration of, you know, the intelligence agencies, you know, the poor yes. FBI and CIA who just want to be able to do their their the old apolitical, you yeah. know, protect America <laughs> jobs yeah. that they used to do until Trump yeah. came in and was so mean to them and was so chaotic. And like, they just want to, you know, be able to serve us again in the way that they're supposed to, you know, the, sure. the just the narrative that has been set, you know, to welcome uh, the worst possible aspects of the American state back into <laughs> the fold with open and loving arms, you know, is uh, pretty terrifying in a lot of ways, you know, and uh, has completely has the potential to kneecap um, any progress, um, you know, that, uh, you know, is possible uh, during a Biden presidency. And that's before you even get to something like a 6-3 Supreme Court shutting anything (laughs) down, you know, like, uh the the ground that has been laid you know is just awful in so many ways you know and so uh, you know i i hope that it it doesn't happen that way you know i would like to think that you know having uh, you know 4 years of just complete um you know like russia hysteria and uh, like the the brave whistleblowers from Homeland Security coming to save us all, you know, <laughs> and just like having these narratives worked worked over and over again is not going to have an effect. But I can't see how that could be the case. Of course, it's going to have an effect. It's like these people are going to stick around, and it's gonna really, really distort and and transform the way that the debate is shaped around a lot of very important issues. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, sticking on on foreign policy stuff. I mean, there's a lot of foreign policy issues that Biden has very deliberately tried to get to Trump's right on, <laughs> uh, like like talking about Venezuela, for example, and the kind of botched coup, Trump's botched coup in in, uh, in Venezuela, which is like 
you've had Democrats like Joe Biden suggest that he's been too he's been too nice to like Maduro the Maduro uh, government, and you have like high ranking Democrats like Chris Murphy who have suggested that Trump's incompetence allowed this this coup opportunity to slip through their fingers, and you know there's the kind of implicit <laughs> promise that under a Biden administration we're gonna have like better more competent Latin American coups, uh, so it's like yeah that's I, I, a that's a dangerous situation uh, I think if you're if you're of the opinion that America should not be doing uh, right. coup overthrowing governments <laughs> right. in Latin. America, uh, then that's not really an option that's on the table in this election. Sure isn't. Sure isn't. You know, one <laughs> one way or the other, we're we're gonna continue to set up shop there. Definitely. Um, I mean, do you have? Hey, I'm reluctant to ask, but do you have any predictions? Uh, <laughs> S- Sam, I mean... that's all yours. <laughs> have yeah. you been doing like the 270 to win map, no, like compulsively, like no. I have? I, you know what? But I we're going to hold that... this. We're going to hold you to this, by the way. If, yeah. if anything that... goes differently than way you outline it, we're going to make sure we nail you to the wall for it for not getting it. <laughs> I, I haven't. I know that you know a lot of other people, Jack included, at Discourse Blog have because we there was an extensive extensive conversation about this yesterday. <laughs> I think maybe after the Bloomberg story dropped <laughs> about no, okay. like the states needed um, or the, the electoral votes needed. But I, you know, I think I am hopeful. I am, you know, going back to Texas, not to make it always, always about Texas, but I am hopeful that there will be, um, you know, some uh, house races uh, expected to win. I think uh, Mike Siegel for Texas 10, um, he's running oh, yeah. to represent the district between Austin and Houston. I think he's got a really good shot. Uh, and he was also somebody that who ran in 2018. Um, I know, you know, Gina Hinojosa is running again as well. Uh, I'm, I'm not as confident about like MJ Hager, who did the same thing as Beto and like lost her 2018 race and thought like, oh, I should go higher. <laughs> I should, I should yeah. run a bigger race. Um, you know, so I, I do have some, you know, some hope, uh, for Texas, you know, uh, I, it's, I'm still, you know, uh, I still would, would rather hold my tongue than make a prediction about like, you know, whether Joe Biden's going to win Texas and like, I, the more that like it's just like the more that I get excited that I the more that I let myself get excited about this the more that like I just think I'm setting myself up for like a huge upset so I'm just gonna like you know yeah I'm not gonna play into just that let it happen. <laughs> yeah yeah I I try very very hard not to um make concrete predictions about this stuff in public uh the most um that I will say is that it seems very very clear that the only way that Trump can win the election is through fraud. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and so that's, <laughs> that's, which is, remains a possibility, <laughs> ab- which absolutely remains a possibility, you know, yeah. and, and like, I mean, one of, one of the, the major, you know, threads throughout um, this election has been, you know, how much it has served as a complete indictment of, uh, the American political system itself, the institutions that we have, like the process that we, that we have, you know, like the fact that literally nobody at all thinks that Trump will win the popular vote. Like Trump could be reelected president of the United States and nobody thinks that it'll happen because he will get the most votes. He might lose by 5 million votes instead of 3 million like he did the last time mm-hmm. and still 
when, you know, and it seems very clear to me, you know, I, I think uh, it is less likely that, you know, the polls are insanely off in every state at once, you know, and they all missed it again. And like, it was this crazy thing. What is what seems much more likely to me and is as far as I'll go in predicting anything is that <laughs> if the if the result counteracts the polls, it will be because the election was stolen. It will not be because people missed what was happening out there to like some catastrophic extent that even that you know that would far you know outrun even what happened in 2016. It will be because. <laughs> Uh, the level of voter suppression was yeah. too intense. It will be because Republican legislatures intervene. It'll be because, you know, the court stepped in. It'll be because, you know, there was uh, a, a, as close as, as we've gotten, you know, to just an outright coup in this country, you know, as I think um, we've ever really seen, you know. So that's my that's that's my only main prediction. Yeah. Yeah, I think after after the events of 2016, everyone is a little bit traumatized by that. And so it would be foolish for anyone to say like anyone that that Joe Biden of the Democratic Party has this thing in the bag because right. obviously <laughs> anything could happen. Um, I think there are a couple things that I've taken away that are encouraging signs like for, for number one. I mean, we've talked about this on the show as well, is that I, I think Trump's campaign has been kind of dog shit. Um, whereas like in 2016, he was at least, even though he was obviously full of shit always. And like, we, everyone kind of recognized that he was at least kind of speaking to certain communities that had been left behind by both parties. And he was kind of making an effort to talk about things like trade and endless wars and things that both the democratic party and the Republican party were complicit in. Um, and, and, either bringing people into the fold from with using that kind of rhetoric or also just discouraging people from like voting for anybody, which I, both of these things benefited him. And this time it's just pure, like dumb cult Fox news, culture war shit. This kind of, this kind of Hunter Biden story that no, it's not really catching on. Oh my God. Um, I know. The, he's, 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 yeah. like, he's like, please somebody care. And like yeah. <laughs> only Glenn Greenwald cares. Is anyone else seeing this? <laughs> yeah. So and and so coupled that with the fact that he's also overseeing this massive unprecedented health crisis and economic right. crises and kind of overseeing that and doesn't really have anyone to blame other than himself for for the fact that this shit has happened. Uh, so it is a very different situation uh, than 2016. Also, when you look at Biden and frankly, compared to Clinton is just kind of a more popular pe person and politician historically, like Clinton herself was kind of historically unpopular with a lot of people, whether that you can argue whether that's fair, whether that has to do with sexism to a certain extent, you know, I think it probably does. Mm -hmm. But there's also that thing that that Biden doesn't really viscerally turn people off in the same way that that Clinton did. Um so, yeah, it's, I think there's a number of reasons why it's looking like Joe Biden will win. But as I said, it would be definitely very foolish to make any kind of concrete prediction about what's going to happen. Uh, so yeah. I don't know, I'm ready to make a concrete prediction about this. So, OK. Oh. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> be the brave one. Got us. I was getting fired up. <laughs> Got us. Yeah. I do think I do. The only thing I feel like semi sure about is biden winning north carolina which i think is absurd just because like that cal cunningham 
race is just seems to be like yeah it with took the off sexting thing yeah with the weird sexting scandal um if that's <laughs> what gets him over the hump because there's a bunch of different configurations of the electoral college map right where biden can win while losing several key swing states again shades of 2016 um but i do think michigan is probably really safe now wisconsin safe minnesota safe those three plus the standard blue safe blue like states he he can still lose Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio and still win if he picks up North Carolina. Um, I think that there's a great likelihood of that. I also, I mean, if Biden loses Arizona, but Mark Kelly wins for Senate, I, I don't know what that says about <laughs> Biden's campaign other than like, you have to be inept to blow that. Yeah. Because he's running on the same, like, the, the, Mark Kelly's running that kind of maverick style campaign mm-hmm. that Arizonans love, but he's like, you know, clear. they don't like McSally. They've, they've, the electorate has said multiple times they don't like McSally, but she keeps like getting promoted uh, through appointments <laughs> and stuff. Um, and you have, I mean, how do you not ride that? I mean, Bullock, the Bullock race in Montana is a little bit more understandable just because it's a, it's a very unique state there. And they like Bullock because of his protection of public lands. And also, he, he was pretty early on getting big money out of politics because they saw the environmental consequences of big money in politics in Montana. Uh, so it's a little bit more understandable that he, Bullock might win Senate in Montana, but Biden doesn't win the state. That, I get that. Arizona, it just, that that would be puzzling. Yeah, I, it feels like Biden is going to win Arizona. Um, you know, but who knows? My dream, uh, my my main dream, um, you know, and like, Sam Sam will be, uh, you know, just one among millions possibly making this happen is for Biden to just win Texas and let us all go home. Um, you know, because if Biden wins Texas, then yeah. that's the ball game, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, he can lose like a bunch of other places and it's fine. Um, yep. You know, so that's that's my ultimate fantasy is that he wins Texas and then it's like, okay, fine. We'd like actually don't have to take this to the Supreme Court. Like we don't have to wait 70, 70 weeks to like figure this sure, out. It's just totally. happened, you know? So Sam, you know, yeah. like put out your good vibes, like among your people down yeah, there. I'm, I'm vibing so yeah. hard down here. Like you have no idea. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you for the vibes. Good. You're welcome. Good. Well, so, so uh, Sam and Jack, you're going to be covering this uh, on Twitch with your uh, with your discourse blog colleagues, right? So you do want to before we kind of sign off, do you want to just talk a little bit about discourse blog and the kind of journey that you you've been on from we kind of alluded to it earlier from from Splinter to discourse and your work and just talk a little bit about your new website and what your plans are for discourse blog and uh, what you uh, what you hope to what you hope to bring to the next uh, the next four years of whatever's going to happen <laughs> and beyond. Uh- yeah, Sam, you want to talk about you know how we how we got here, and then I, I'll talk oh, about man. how where we're gonna go. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I think we were all panicking <laughs> during the beginning of the pandemic, and and freaking out and wondering like where can we write about any of this? Um, you know, I really don't remember how it happened. I think I think it was I think it. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, but it seemed like Paul was like, "Does anyone want to do this? Like, we can just like do some bullshittery blog." <laughs> and it'll be fun and we'll have a fun time doing it while we're panicking our fucking eyes out. Um, and it seemed like a really great idea because, you know, for a lot of us, after we got laid off at Splinter and the site was shuttered, 
Um, very few of us ever got full-time employment back. Um, it, and I, I think it was maybe just like two people, you know, out of the, the nine. And that's not even, you know, accounting for like our, you know, quote unquote permalancers, you know, our, our freelance team who also, you know, no longer had that source of income. So like we were in a situation, a lot of us were in a situation where we're like, yeah, we have the, the free time because, you know, we're not getting the second part-time job. Like we haven't gotten hired back full-time. So we don't even have benefits, like situations of this, of this nature. Jack never, <laughs> Jack did not get hired anywhere. Not trying to air out any laundry. That's not a, you know, oh. a thing, but, but I'm just like, <laughs> don't I'm just worry. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, don't worry. you know, I, I, you know, I worked with, uh, Jack and Alex for, you know, 10 months before we got laid off. And I'm like, these are extremely smart, competent, talented people who did not get hired back anywhere. Um, and like, you know, that, that's probably an indication of many things, including like the, the, <laughs> the media landscape. Um, but also, you know, it was, as we were veering into the, into the, uh, the throes of the pandemic of the first wave, um, it was increasingly clear that like there were going to be fewer jobs for anyone in media as everyone was getting laid off either, you know, temporarily or permanently. Um, and so we were kind of looking around and saying, sorry, this is a long winded answer. Let's like, let's do something together because we, we miss being <laughs> able to just like blog, like what the fuck and then just post it. Um, and so we started as that and, we, uh, we had a WordPress. We did that for like a few weeks and then we're like, okay, let's try and do this like real deal. We did the Substack and we did that for a few weeks free until we switched to paid. And that was such a surprise that like anyone would want to, you know, pay us for our product. Not, I guess not such a surprise because people were already emailing us and being like, how do we tip you? Like, how do we pay you for this? Um, but it was just so overwhelmingly, like reaffirming and um, just like really, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was just overall surprising, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, a few months after that, we just launched our website. And so that's just kind of like how we've gotten here is that we've been constantly um, underselling ourselves, realizing, and then realizing that people, you know, want, uh, want to, <laughs> uh, some media, some part of their media diet to be reaffirming to them that things are shit and that like, uh, there is, uh, there's something else out there for them besides like having to, uh, you know, uh, just go with the democratic party because, you know, what else are you going to do? Quote unquote. Um, and it's been really pleasantly surprising. I keep on using that word, but that's all I can really think of is that like, I'm just really yeah. glad that like, you know, this is something that people want, uh, that we're something that people want and that we can also give that to them and that we can also like do what we want and, and do the kind of work that we love, uh, without, um, you know, having to, I don't know, without having to like worry about like, are our editors at this like corporate publication going to get upset or what have you? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, all we, all we really want to do is like be able to make this our full-time jobs. I mean, for, for a lot of us, I think I'll just speak for myself. This is what I want to do full-time. And, you know, I don't, I'm, we're not over here trying to, um, you know, make some big like media group or what have you. Like, we're just trying to like be one of the, the many, uh, small groups of people who are like, all I want to do is like work for a, a living wage and like not think about like if my if my shitty insurance that I'm paying three hundred dollars a month for is going to cover like 
a fucking lab exam. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that, that does take us right up to where we are. We just launched, um, uh, uh, an entirely brand new, um, like from the ground up website, discourseblog.com, discourseblog.com, uh, for anyone who wants to go and subscribe starting at just $8 a month. It's great. Um, you know, and, uh, we launched it along, um, with, uh, these people at this new project called lead. Um, they worked, uh, with our friends, um, at defector uh helping them start their website um and then uh they approached us to do this and it's been really great so far we we were on Substack, but we wanted a real website again we wanted to be able to just do whatever blogs we wanted to do we wanted um something that looked better that felt more professional that could accommodate um you know all of the writers in a different way and you know it's been fantastic. So what we're trying to do in future is just do all of the stuff that we have been doing and uh, just do more of it, you know, become bigger, become better, get more ambitious. We want to publish um, more uh, voices, you know, f- uh, we want to be able to do, uh, you know, lots of freelance work, which we don't quite have the budget for yet. Um you know, we want to uh, do more um, video stuff, do audio stuff, uh, you know, do more features, do more original reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, we yeah. just want to um, really give people the best website um, possible. And that's one of the reasons that we've been trying to branch out into doing things like these Twitch streams, um, because we want to... Uh, become, um, you know, a place where people can really <laughs> find uh, a community, um, you know, of like-minded people who uh, care about politics in the way that we care about politics, who want to, you know, just marvel at the insanity of the world in the way that we do, um, you know, who want to, uh, you know, really embrace like a, a concrete a, a moral framework but also want to have fun doing that and not be completely humorless about it um you know we just you know we want to be um that place for people and and you know and be that voice for people and we also want to you know uh be at the forefront you know of independent media that is free from corporate strictures that doesn't have to answer to millionaires and billionaires, you know, and that only answers to ourselves and the people who want, um, you know, to support us. So that's, you know, that's, that's the pitch. And, and we're doing this, uh, election night stream, uh, on Tuesday, starting, um, at seven o'clock Eastern, we're going to go until, (laughs) We can't go anymore. Um, we're going to have some very special guests who we're going to unveil, you know, over the next couple of days. But it's like a really big lineup um, that I'm really excited about. And we're going to bring you all the big news that you need and just <laughs> suffer through everything that's going to happen to us, yes. whatever, whatever goes down together. Um, so I really encourage everyone yeah. uh, to tune in. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear about the journey you've been on. Uh, Jordan and I are, uh, we're sticking with Substack because we're actually working on something with Andrew Sullivan that we're, <laughs> we're pretty excited oh, man, about. Really? So 
That's wow. Our new, we can wow. more in, the, in the next couple of weeks and months, we, we're going to talk about we're, the details of that. We're no. so happy for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, thank that's, you. That's really exciting. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. No, but honestly, it is... Uh, it is interesting to hear hear your vision for this kind of stuff because that's I think the encouraging thing is that anyone that's kind of trying to work in media right now realizes that the kind of corporate model has is like completely failed and is kind of just collapsing in on itself. But that doesn't mean that there isn't an audience there that that is there that wants this kind of content. That's right. Totally. Uh, so it's really excited to it's exciting I think to be connected with with people like you with Discourse Blog, the work that we're doing and with uh, this show and Discontents and. There's kind of an interesting network forming of, of, of people that are kind of providing that kind of voice uh, that's kind of free from the sort of that, that kind of pernicious corporate corporate uh, influence. So absolutely. Um, I mean, like we're looking for it's ne- going to be it's, we're we're, uh, we're excited for your your stream and the, the work you're going to be doing in the future. Yeah, well, thank Thank you. you. I mean, media is like nothing but terrible all the time, which is why (laughs) it's so astonishing that like, it feels like some good things are actually happening, you know, and like you, you are all part of that, you know, and it's very exciting to feel like we, you know, can can play a part in that too. Yeah, of course. Uh, So so Jack and Sam, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find uh, you personally, like your work? Uh, follow you on Twitter. Subscribe to the Discourse Blog. Like, what? What's your? Where can people find you? All your sure. plugs. Yeah. Please, please subscribe to Discourse Blog. Something that we didn't mention that I want to plug real quick is that we have a Discord server. So on election yes. night, if you want to come party with us. Uh, if you join our uh, capitalist tier, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. But <laughs> yes, ironically named, ironically named. Don't worry, everybody. Yes, it's all a joke. It's all a joke. We're having fun. Um, yeah, so if you join our tier, uh, you will have access to that Discord server where uh, we already have like quite a thriving community of people who like exchange book recommendations and recipes and like panic about what's happening and they have a really good time in there. And so, you know, you can be a part of that community too. Uh, uh, you know, if you subscribe. So yes, please subscribe uh, at discourseblog.com. Um, and then, uh, you know, you can, you can find me uh, on Twitter uh, at Sam J. Grosso. Uh, Jack, you want to go ahead? Yes. Uh, you can find me at discourseblog.com. That's literally yes. all that I do anymore. <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, I spend like, we, we did, we did like a, what, what did you read this week thing yesterday? And literally the only thing I'd read was discourse blog and like editing their editing discourse blog blogs. Uh, so discourseblog.com slash subscribe if you want to subscribe and you can find me, um, at Jack Merkinson on Twitter. Awesome. Great. Well, uh, Jack and Sam, thank you so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the election night stream, which will surely be very kind of normal and relaxed and chill. So (laughs) very excited for that. Yes. No, it's going to be very calm. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox, as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>